Hi everybody, welcome to the Confidently Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ward. This is a great episode. I got to sit down and have a chat with the very talented Linus Carp, who's part of Awkward Productions. You've probably seen them touring the UK with Diana, the untold, untrue story. It's a great episode. We covered a lot. Enjoy. So right now you are um, touring with Diana, the untrue, untold story. Oh yes. Which I'm coming to see in a couple of days. I'm very excited about um so what i wanted to know is what what inspired it what inspires your your sort of creative ideas um i think i mean i think it's hard to tell and i think most of the time it just happens quite organically because i get really interested in something um like my previous show was about cats the film because i just became so hyper fixated on it that i couldn't stop thinking about it and i just had right. to sort of like write about it and this diana show i mean i I do love Diana. I did before I wrote the show as well. But it started, um, my partner's mum is a big Diana fan. Right. And she turned 60 um, at the beginning of 2021. And we've always, we always used to send her weird Diana gifts and stuff in the post. Um, like we try and find like <laughs> the tackiest Diana merch online possible and send it to her. Um, so when she turned 60, I thought I'll, I'll try and do something like fun Diana themed for her. So I started writing this little piece that I thought we could all like perform. And then it sort of was, was getting a bit longer and longer and longer because like, I was just really enjoying putting it together. Um, but it wasn't really more than that. I didn't really think that much more of it at the time. And we just, then we all sat around their kitchen table and we read, read it out and everyone had certain parts and we just had a laugh about it. Um, so it wasn't until almost a year later when I was sort of like looking at what my next project was going to be and I had been working on another idea for quite a while, but I just didn't feel quite as fun and quite as right. And then I just found this script and I was like, oh, maybe this is the one. Um, and I'm glad I did because I've had so much fun like developing it and working on it. And, and I seem seemingly the timing for it is kind of perfect as well. Like with the re- first the release of the new season of The Crown late last year and then Harry's book and now right. Charles becoming king as well. Like the entire Diana and Charles Camilla triangle and all of that like is really at the top of people's mind again. So it feels very strangely relevant to be doing this show now. So did you arrange all of this kind of royal family stuff then? Have you got like, are you a secret puppet master behind the scenes? Yeah, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's brilliant. And how does how does your partner's mother feel about it? Does she like it? Oh, she loves it. She's very, I mean, she keeps saying how she thrilled she is that her like birthday present is now touring the country and she keeps asking us for royalties as well. And I'm like, well, I wish I was making enough money to be able to send you some. <laughs> well, you, but you do a lot of work. Your, your work is all solo work right now. Yeah. Yes. Mostly. Um, it's just easier and cheaper. Right. And I sort of like started and I really, really enjoy it as well. I mean, I love working with other people as well, but there's something very special about solo work. And see wow. how how far you can put, even though it's a solo performance, like how far you can push that art form to, yeah, to create the show. Right. No, I think it, it fascinates me because your subjects seem to be very true to yourself, but you tour so much. You have so many dates in your tours. You're getting out all over the country, and I don't know whether you have a sense of like how important arts and culture is to everyone around our country and maybe around the world. I think. I mean, I grew up in a tiny village in the Swedish forest, so I really didn't have that much 
like I didn't have access to that much theater and especially, you know, sort of like fringe theater and queer mm. theater, queer show, well, anything queer really. So I think that's something that I really enjoy. And, and I also just really love touring. I love going to places and seeing new, pl- like meeting new people, getting the different vibes from all the places. And just, I mean, I guess it's also just in a way, uh, in a selfish way, just a really nice way for me to travel around the country and see many great places. Right. And you get the sense that you've got people now coming back to your shows that maybe saw Jellicles or Animals before and are now coming back to Diana? Yeah. Um, yeah, which is so nice. Like we've managed to build up a bit of an audience in, in quite a few of these places. And there are people who, who came to the very first performance um, or the very first show we, we did and they still come back to them, which is uh, really exciting. Well, so why why do you think it's so important to people? Um, as in, like arts, arts and culture in general. In general. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's just about quality of life, really enjoyment. Like, I think as soon as we have sp- any spare time, um, that like what we like to do is c- to consume culture. Like, it's it's socializing and culture. I think those are everyone's interests, really. If you boil it down. Um, whether that is, you know, film or music or art, like ev- most things really are arts and it's just so important. But then I think because it's also so vague and difficult to, to necessarily put a value on, we don't necessarily appreciate it or appreciate what art is um, or, yeah, or what it actually does to us. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think appreciation is a really big key. I think it can... I don't know if you agree, but sometimes people, all of us take art for granted, like it will always be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I, I fully agree. Cool. Um, so you're traveling around the country, you're meeting lots of people, um, and you'll see some places or you'll go to some places that maybe you feel that arts and culture is more important there or creativity is more important there. Um, do you ever give advice to people about how to get into being creative or get into the arts? Yeah, we do run workshops as well, actually. Well, I, I run a workshop in solo performance um, that very much covers not just solo performance, but I guess also just like putting on something yourself, creating work yourself, how to market it and reach people and tour um, and to perform and also try and look after yourself. So like to try and make it sustainable. Um, cause obviously it's very tricky. And I think I never thought this is something that I would be doing. Uh, as in like, I always wanted to be an actor, but I didn't necessarily think that I was going to put my, put on my own show and create my own work and write it. And I just didn't think, I always used to think that producers and directors and all that, like those people were these powerful people that was almost like beyond your reach. You were just waiting for them to, to accept you or to put you in things. I didn't really realize that actually you can take on the, those roles yourself and you can create your own work and you can get to be creative yourself on your own terms, which is, I mean, a lot of hard work, but also so amazing and liberating. I feel like that's when I've really found what I enjoy as an artist, who I am as a performer and a creative, um, which is, yeah, I think that's that's the main thing I've learned really. Like don't wait for people to give you the opportunities, create the opportunities yourself. Right. No, I think that's really good advice. I, I, talk to lots of people that are starting out and they just say, Oh, I, I just, I don't know if I can do it. Well, you, you kind of got to try, haven't you really? That's, that's the only thing you can do. Exactly. And I think when you do something that you feel passionate about 
And when you have a deadline, when you know it's going to happen, you just step up and you just make it happen and you just perform beyond beyond what you think was possible. Um, like I, I think it's like when you see people, so often when you see great performances, they are great because those people were given a chance. Um, like there are so many people that are great that just didn't get a chance. But when you get the chance, you often just step up. Like throughout lockdown, I was part of this amazing play reading group called Corona Days Plays where every week we would read a script like whether it was a film or a play or a, a tv series sometimes it was incredible and it was like a group of i think over 200 people in the end and all the roles would just be drawn randomly from a hat um so you would play like the kind of roles you'd never normally play against like your gender and your age and all those kind of things um which was incredible because there were not, there were times where you there'd be someone cast in a big lead role and you're like oh i wonder how they're gonna do this this doesn't seem like they're casting but given the opportunity people often just excel so i think you just need to to get that opportunity whether you're given it or whether you take it for yourself um but i think don't think that you can't do it because you can do so much more than you can oh than you think right i agree and do you ever speak to businesses about creativity and if you did what would you what would you advise them in how to become more creative i can't say i do i mean not businesses beyond sort of like theater theaters i guess um but I would probably say to value creativity because I think often, I mean, even when I was working in places before or having having my side jobs, you know, like so often all those sort of creative things, whether that is, whether that's just things to make people enjoy work more, like having some arts at some point or having games or whatever, they're always like a second thought. I think anything creative, anything arts related will become, become like, oh, if you have a spare minute, maybe you can put something together for this or, uh, yeah, those kind of things where it's not actually thought about and it's rarely budgeted. Whereas actually like, if you want, if you want to like increase, often increase enjoyment and productivity of your staff as well to make them enjoy where they are, I think it would be important to actually consider it properly and to actually set aside time and money to it as well. So it's not just like, Oh, Susan, if you have a, spare hour in your free time and maybe you can put together something for us to do but actually you know make it a priority right no it's, it's creative thinking i think is so important and having been in big corporations you see that it, you're absolutely right it's not valued um which perhaps it should be i mean i also think that corporations should be investing in putting diana the untold untrue story in their offices and in their workplaces for people to enjoy i don't know whether you'd be up for that I think so too. I think that would be amazing because I think especially it's a lot of, as you'll find out in a couple of days, uh, there's a lot of audience participation in this show as well. Right. So I think when it really, when people enjoy it at the most, it's when they arrive with a group of people as well. And, you know, like, because it's, it's always so much fun when you're a group of people and they pick on one of them or one of them is dragged up on stage or whatever. So I feel like when you have a, many people knowing each other, like you would have in an office environment and they're sort of taken just to the edge of their comfort zone. They're still having a good time and they're not doing anything that's like too scary or making them uncomfortable, but they're just like having that heightened level. Um, I think would work very well in, in those kind of environments. Well, you, you can have that idea. Absolutely. I, I won't even yeah. try to commission on that one. You're oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said something before as well, which I just wanted to ask you about. You said about the, um, the uh, Corona play reading club and about um, playing parts that might not be your 
regular or perceived identity. And I, I just wanted to get a little bit more on identity because I know that that's quite an important part of what you do creatively. Yeah, um, that's true. And I do think actually, had I not been part of that play reading group, I wonder if I would have created uh, Diana because obviously playing uh, a royal British woman isn't necessarily my casting type as a Swedish man who's not very royal, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think being part of that group and being part of those kind of situations where you're just allowed to be and express yourself, you find like actually... It doesn't really like I shouldn't limit myself to what what I may be cast as. I mean, I feel that often as a as an actor and especially as a foreign actor. So often, you know, I'm only seen for these like tiny foreign parts um, for projects. And I mean, I don't mind being seen for that, but it, like I can do more than that as well. Um, and I think then when you start creating your own work and you start finding what you can do and what you want to do and just like, I'm going to do this. Like I said, my previous show was about cats and I sort of, dressed up in a, in a cat suit and I danced around on stage a bit. And I was like, I'm, I'm no singer. I'm no dancer. I will never actually be cast in the musical cats. And likewise, I'm no, I'm, I'm no princess Diana. <laughs> um, I'm no Elizabeth Debicki or Emma Corrin. I'm not going to be cast in the crown, but I'm going to take the roles that I want to play and yeah, put them on myself and create versions of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's important going back to what you said about creativity. If you don't try it, then you you won't become it. So you, I think you, you have to you have to change your identity as a performer, but I think as a creative as well to be able to develop. Yeah, well, yeah, which is very funny because at the same time you're changing your identity. I also feel like both my latest shows have been very much me. I mean, they've been very, very stupid, very queer, very like. I think you can watch them and you sort of get a feel for. What, what kind of person I am, where I stand politically, what, what humor I enjoy. Uh, obviously, like how my, I, they're both very queer. Um, so it's interesting how doing things through other characters or through other mediums, you also show more of who you are somehow. Right. It's just the and power you, of the art. <laughs> absolutely. No, and I think, it's, I think it's when you talk about the queer identity part, it's interesting that people... Um, will accept the sort of the queer part of the show because you're playing Diana, if that makes sense, whereas you're not being yourself. I don't know whether people find it more acceptable because of that. Is there a sort of a drag element to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like, um, I th- yeah, I think drag is obviously such an established queer concept, so people are seem to be quite happily on board with that. People are, aren't they? Like, drag is everywhere now. It is. We should say that that I would say our target demographic and the people who come and enjoy the show really are. But you do see comments online. I mean, especially because drag seems like from the far right, especially like drag seems to be so highly criticized right now and such yeah. like a, a toxic thing to do, which is really scary. And we have had comments. Obviously, not, no one's actually come to the show. But when people see like a theater posting about us, posting about it on social media where people are like, Oh, what is this? How dare, like, how dare a man dress up as a woman and stuff, et cetera, as if that's a new thing. And also, I mean, fuck gender anyway. Anyone should be able to express themselves the way they want. So it's just, it's, it's scary that it's facing the backlash it is. Um, but it's also facing that backlash because it's been so mainstream now, right. uh, which obviously is a good thing in many ways too. Yeah. I find it, it baffles me that people are offended by a drag queen story time. I, I, it's beyond 
me why that would be offensive. I, I don't see it. And I, and I hope that it's something that fades away soon. The, the, uh, the, the opposition, not the drag, uh, not the story time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, it's just, it is baffling. And it's, they, I mean, when you think about it, you're like, they just, there are many things to be upset about in society, but choosing to actively go against that. And especially like, do they actually know what it is they're criticizing or demonstrating? Like, it's not something that's very, like, if they actually attend one of those events, it's not doing anything harmful. Um, so yeah, it is, it is very weird. Yeah, I, I never really, I mean, I remember drag from a long time ago. There were there were different types. There was your kind of Danny LaRue, very glamorous, which was completely tame. So Danny LaRue was a, a female impersonator from, I think, the 50s through to maybe the 80s. Then there was pantomime dames, which was pantomime dames. And then there was drag, which you might go and see, you know, in, in a, a gay club, which could sometimes be a bit a bit ruder. But I never felt that drag was sexual which I think seems to be the opposition to um, storytelling with a with a, a drag performer. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the type of drag that you would get to drag queen story time isn't sexual. Right. Um, yeah, so it's it's just a very ridiculous point where like actually it all stems in some form of queer phobia rather than actual, like, yeah, the actual content of it. Where it's like, yeah. it's a often a queer person dressing up as a gender they're not necessarily themselves that must like that is not something we should accept especially not around children so it's not actually about the story time itself right yeah yeah it's it's the most bizarre thing sorry we took a bit of a deviation but it it does (laughs) baffle me um but however it does lead me back because uh we're going to talk about creative heroes and identities so i for example i love david bowie changes identity becomes different characters different people uh, which I, I thought was amazing throughout his career. Um, but I wanted to know who who inspired you? Who was your creative hero? Yeah, and that's a very good question because I don't think I have one. I think, I mean, there are so many people and so many creatives I love. Um, and I feel like I, I was thinking about like who's actually inspired me. And I, I thought like when it comes to being a creative and being a theatre maker, and especially solo performance, um, there's a, a wonderful... A comedian called Joseph Mapergo, and I've seen a few of his solo shows. And I think even before I start, I wanted to do solo shows myself. I just really felt like he, the way he pushes the concept of a solo show and how funny and how well he does it, I think that was really inspiring to me. And that probably really inspired how I was then going on to create my work. Um, and recent solo shows, I feel like there's a wonderful. Um, solo performer called Hayley McGee who did a um, she did a show called Age is a Feeling um, which I mean I'm sure it will come back many more times it was at Edinburgh Fringe last year and sold out and then it's been in London too and I'm sh- hopefully it will tour and so on um, and I think she's just incredible and again like the way she plays with the format and how well she does it in a way that seems so simple but yet so different from anything else I've seen was just incredible Um and is yeah. she a dramatic performer or a comic performer? What What's her, her, her show about? Her show is very, that's a very dramatic show or very serious show. I right. mean, it has funny moments too, where she basically talks you through a life, your life. She addresses the audience as you throughout. And she goes from that you turn 25 all the way to your death. Um, and she tells stories, but you don't get all the stories. So the audience get to choose certain stories and there'll be certain stories that are skipped. So I've seen the show twice and both obviously have told slightly different stories, um, 
which is really interesting. And it's just so beautiful. And it's the only show that's made me cry. I, I never cry at the theater. I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really a big cry about both times I've seen that show. I've just been in tears. Really? First time I could barely breathe. I was just, it was, and it was done so simplistically and so beautifully. And she, yeah, it's just such a good, good form of storytelling. Um, that also feels really life affirming. And she's in her thirties, but it feels like she just has the wisdom. I feel like when you watch the show, I'm like, surely this must have been written by someone like in their eighties or nineties, because it's just so full of like wisdom and life. Um, right. And I really think it's an incredible piece of theatre. And, and so, so she inspires you because of the quality or because of the, the storytelling or the form? Um, probably all of it. Like, right. I do think my work is di- very different from that. But like just seeing the, the different, how people can put on a solo show in different ways. Because I think like stereotypically when you think solo show, you just think of one person on stage standing on themselves by themselves talking, but you can push it in so many wonderful forms. I mean, Liz Kingsman, who did a one-woman show, which was sort of like a parody of all the one-woman shows, which was on London's West End um, late last year, I think, um, was also just like an incredible solo show that really played with the format a lot. Um, Yeah, which I found really inspiring. Do you see yourself sticking with solo shows or, or developing? I... I would like, I, I would love to do everything. I feel like now that I've, I never thought, as I said earlier, like I don't never thought really that I would be like, be a writer in that way and like right. actually put on solo work necessarily. But now that I've done that, I don't think I've ever want to give it up. Um, like I think I will, it will be a, a form of performance that I will keep coming back to and explore further. And I would never not want to have that creative input. But that said, I would also love to do, you know, like, all kinds of performance, like big plays where I work with many actors and um, like, because sometimes it gets really lonely doing solo shows as well. Like I do really love having fellow performers with me on stage. Um, So I I think in an ideal world, you just go from like one project to the next and it would all be very different, but equally satisfying. (laughs) Right. Maybe you just need some backup dancers to begin with and then sort of build it from there. I would love that. I would love. There's so many times when we've been rehearsing Diana. I was like, I just wish I'd had a Western budget because there was so many like you know moments where I'm like, oh, imagine having background dancers or like all these things coming down from the ceiling or whatever. But obviously, we can't really do that on our budget yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've created quite a bit for yourself. Um, there's three three solo shows. That you've yeah. Taught. So, what what's your favorite piece of creative work? I mean, I would have to say my current one. Okay, <laughs> but I think I think they're different. Like it's all different in different ways. Because the first one I did, I didn't actually write myself, but it was a play I found, which I just thought was an amazing play called "Awkward Conversations with Animals I Fucked," um, and I think that sort of like having done that, that gave me the confidence as a solo performer. I realized like I can actually do that, and I do think. The work as I did in an actor, as an actor in that one, was possibly the best I've done. Like I really enjoy that, and that led for me to be able to think that I not only can perform a solo show, I can actually create it as well. Which is why I created my next show, um, the one about cats. And then finally, now with Diana, I feel like it's it's just a much of a bigger undertaking, and I feel like I'm pushing myself further and I'm doing things I wouldn't necessarily feel. I don't think I could have done this earlier because I feel like. 
I'm incorporating things like drag. I've never done drag or makeup or anything like that before. So I've learned that for the show and I'm doing dancing and singing and I'm not a dancer and I'm not a singer, which you'll probably find out if you come to the show. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm just trying to push myself as a performer to do these things that I don't necessarily feel at home in, but want to want to explore further. Um, and I also just think Diana is, we, we did receive arts council funding for it, which was amazing. And that, made that made it possible for us to sort of actually give some time to create the show and work with many amazing people so we had like an amazing designer we had a composer come on we had a choreographer we had a drag artist we had a, a puppeteer who would because there's a lot of puppetry in the show as well which i've never worked with before which i find is hilarious um so like we were able to sort of like bring in for a day or two various experts in these fields who were just like heighten the show and it's so funny when like you know like i've written the script and there's like a stupid line or a stupid idea on the paper and then you they've just put in like all their all their work and their knowledge and like to make it actually work and not only to make it work but to actually like heighten it like when we saw some of the signs it was like i could never have even envisioned this um because obviously yeah so i do think diana yeah i i, I have to say that that's the best show <laughs> <laughs> and so um if that's where you are now, are you already working on the next one, or are you working on like Diana, the upgrade, or what are you what are you working on right now? Um, so I think we're still very much working on Diana because we're touring it at the moment, and we are going to Edinburgh with it as well uh, to the Fringe in August. Um, so at the moment, that is the main thing, and we are still changing things. I mean, especially as you know, the Royals keep releasing books and being coronated <laughs> and stuff so like there's always new things to add into it as well so it's been quite fun how how it's like it's already a bit different from how it was uh, originally a few months ago um so i'm sure it will still have a few developments in itself before we're finished with it and it's, we're also having so much fun with it so i'm like i don't want to give it up yet right um but i do we have some ideas so me and my partner we sort of run the company together and i think next time Probably won't be a solo show, actually, because I think we're going to give him a bit more more stage time as well. Um, right. And pause, we'll, we'll have a few. We have a couple of ideas that we talked about already. Um, and we've been sort of like discussing them briefly with the theatres. It sort of depends on on where we're going with it and which idea we, we feel most strongly about. I think we're going to finish the main part of our tour in April. Um, and after that, we'll probably be like, OK, so what what do we actually want to do after this right it, will, there like a, will there be a royal series will there be harry will be the next one or something like that <laughs> i don't think so because i feel like <laughs> when i was doing the show about cats people were always saying of um how like or oh, what film i was going to look at next and etc right. and now when i'm doing diana people are talking about like as like what royals i will look at next but i do think it will have to be something completely different and i think Having done a couple of shows now where I've sort of looked at pre-existing stories or pre-existing people or, or cats, <laughs> I think it would be fun to do something that's like completely original as well, which is like my own or our own stories and characters. And we have some ideas already. So, yeah, we shall see. But I, but then you never know, because I never thought when I was doing my previous show I never, and the show before, like I, I always had ideas of what to do next, but they never actually matched up which what I ended up doing next. So I guess it's all about what feels inspiring and fun in the moment. Right. And have you taken any of your shows back to Sweden at all? No, 
I oh, haven't. So, so when does that happen? The glorious homecoming, Linus. Come on. Yeah, I would love to. It's interesting because I do like. I was looking at. Um, I was looking at taking my first show to Sweden actually, but just it was so costly at the time, and I was just like, I just don't know if they'll it'll have a market. And now, this show. It's a very British sense of humor. So I was like, I do wonder how it would go down in Sweden. There's so many like British references that I'd need to like <laughs> update or change if I took it to Sweden. Um, but I would love to do it. Um, so any Swedish theaters listening to this, please program it. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I mean, I want to, when we finish this tour, I think I'm going to look at what to do if we want to do something further after Fringe and see if I can actually take it to, to Sweden. Because I mean, I love Sweden and I haven't, actually done theatre there in so long so it would be amazing to get to bring bring a piece of work there i mean we are putting the show online as well um from first of april oh wow so that way like swedish people and swedish friends and family and so on are able to see it that way and not just swedish anywhere in the world um which is fun but obviously seeing it online is great but nothing beats actually being there live right i agree i i think it would be amazing i think the Sweden, but obviously because that's your home country, but uh, Denmark as well, because they also have a royal family. And also there's the the fact that so many people see the British royal family as being almost like a play, like a soap opera, like not actually being real. So yeah. there's that whole other sort of layer to what you're doing as well. Yeah, no, that's true. And yeah, I would love to, I would love to take it to other countries to see how they'd react to it. And I feel like I'd love to go to like, New York. I mean, in the States, they feel so obsessed with the royal family as well. Yeah. So that would be really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, uh, and I, I think that was one, as you were saying, like they're not almost, they're almost not like people that's, and I think that was something that was very, what drew me to Diana as well. Cause obviously, especially today, she is, you know, she's a meme. She's like a, yeah, she's bad. She's more legend, more myth than an actual human. Like people don't really know what she did, but they see, memes or like she's more of a reference than an actual person who lived which is which i think is very interesting like every even now like so many young people have photos or diana merch at home um who who weren't even alive at the time um i would love to see you take this uh international i think it'd be a massive smash in new york as well absolutely (laughs) so anyone that's listening let's uh let's make sure that they they contact where can they contact you by the way Oh, yes, please. Um, so the best way is probably social media. Okay. Um, we can find either, either at Awkward Prods, so Awkward Prods, short for Awkward Productions, um, on I Twitter imagined. or Instagram. Uh, yeah. Or <laughs> um, my personal one is just at Linus Carp, so my full name, right. um, all one word. Um, Excellent. That's probably the best way. I'll put all those links in the show notes as well for this so people can, uh, can get in touch with you and come and see the show. I'm looking forward. I'm seeing it. Day, uh, what day is it today? Tuesday, so I'm going to sit on Saturday, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I'll be I'll be hiding at the back, so you don't. <laughs> oh no, we'll, we'll we'll try and find you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Linus. I really appreciate it, and I just I love what you do. Uh, I love the fact that you take something that's so you, and you kind of unashamedly put it out there, and it works. And I think, in my humble opinion, it's so much because you're true to who you are. I don't get the impression that you're trying to sell something. I just feel like you've thought this is great. This is creative. This is what I'm going with. And people respond. And I just think, I just think it's a massive lesson to sort of creatives everywhere. Stop trying to be what you're not. Do you know what I mean? 
thank you. That's really nice to hear. And I feel like that's something, I think it's very hard to fake things. Where like, I think it would be impo- very difficult to create a show I didn't feel passionate about. Right. And I think some people try to second guess what's going to be the next thing. And I think it's impossible to do so. I mean, <laughs> I remember my dad telling me after having seen the cats, he was like, it's really funny, but may- do you not want to do something that's a bit commercial? <laughs> Um, which I was like, well, fair point. But but then you never know, because like, with the timing with Diana, we seemed so fortunate. And that's really helped the show, obviously, which wasn't something that I planned or could expect, um, which has just been, yeah, great for us. Yeah. But, so carry on. Please carry on being yourself. OK, don't don't sell out unless it's a lot of money. Yeah, right. I mean... It could be tempting. I can't promise anything. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for your time today, Linus. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you on Saturday. Um, is there anything else that you need that you want to add in or you want me to change about what we've talked about? No, I think I'm really happy. Thank you so much, Jason. I feel like we've covered covered a lot of it and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday and making sure you play one of the parts in the show. <laughs> <laughs> cool, excellent. Have a great time tonight as well and uh, I'll see you on Saturday. Great. Thank you so much. Good see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, Jason Ward. And thank you also to my incredible guest, Linus Karp from Awkward Productions. I will put all of the links we talked about in the show notes. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. Please like, share, and let me know your feedback about the show. And I'll catch up with you soon on the Confidently Creative Podcast.